0: <laughs> no, it's like I think I had like Dasha was high and so was like my friend Justin. So,
1: yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing. Great yeah, experience. now you get to
0: join the pantheon of uh, stoned. I'm so popular guests. I love it. I'm honored. <clears throat> and what are you doing? Um, oh, wait. I just asked you that. <laughs> why do you follow me?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I I just like. I, don't know, I feel like I always, like, saw your tweets and I always adored them. But I just, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, everyone was, like, talking about your show. So I had to, like, check it out. And it's amazing. And um, you live in Japan, which I obviously have an affinity for because that's, like, half <laughs> of my family. Um, and, yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm always, like, I don't know, I always love hearing about people, like, living in Japan and, like, seeing what it's like there, um, and, yeah, I mean, you're just great.
0: Thanks, I love it. The why do you follow me question has recently turned into a, like, why do you like me? Just give me some more compliments. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, um, I... I remember your last icon, like <laughs> your last avatar on Twitter, okay. and I, I love the just aesthetic realm of your account. The black and white occultism is really appealing, and you just started um, your own podcast, Pure Oblivion. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, um, I guess like Pure Oblivion, um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while because I've just been fed up with, like, the state of modern occultism and um, occultism in, like, the internet sphere, that kind of thing. Um, And so basically it's, like, an exploration of um, all of the esoteric things that I don't hear anyone talk about and just kind of making it less, I guess, like, intimidating for people or, like, I just want to encourage people to kind of ask questions and, like, get that kind of curiosity about existence and, like, the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know almost, like, nothing about occultism, but, like, I am really obsessed with, like, taking that angle to a podcast because there's so there's, like, a third wave going on. Like, I feel, like, honestly, like, um the first wave was obviously, like, Red Scare, like, Perfume Nationalist, like, that kind of genre podcasting. And, like, then it's, like, <laughs> not to insert myself into some narrative, but it's, like, thought <laughs> topics. Like, me, Twink Rap, like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, now there's, like, so many more shows popping up. But, you know, everyone who can just, like, buy a mic and, like, turn on Audacity, like, thinks they have something to say. But... It was so refreshing, like, listening to you talk about Kenneth Anger and, like, hearing that you actually have, like, a really, like, idiosyncratic and unique take to what you're doing.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, That's, yeah, I gosh, I'm so flattered. Um, (laughs) That's how
0: I feel whenever anyone says anything nice to me. I'm (laughs) "I'm flattered, but now I don't know what to say. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it it always, like, it always makes me so happy that, like, people are kind of, um, because I I feel that way about, like, um, like, there's tons of podcasts that are coming out that are great, obviously, and, like, people are doing really cool stuff with, like, um, like, going beyond just talking about things, like, doing a kind of, like, pirate radio thing, and I think that's super cool, too. Um. Absolutely. And it's I just, like, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I just, I just never, I, yeah, I just never want to come off as someone who's, like, oh, I'm, like, this, like, I, don't, I never want to posture as, as anyone besides the fact that I, like, have, um. I have these kinds of curiosities, and I just, like, I don't know. I want to explore them, like, with other people.
0: No, that's that's exactly the right, like, mindset to have, I think. And I think it is a really wonderful thing that there are so many shows popping up, even if I, like, can't, like, I don't have enough hours in the day to, like, listen to every mm. single one. But it's, like, I, I really do think that, you know, employed with, any sort of artistic integrity like podcasts are the only sort of medium where people can be like earnest and open about art and culture and even like politics to a degree whereas like every other like form of artistic expression has been like so moderated like Mm -hmm. you know I know that there's like no one moderating my podcast and like hearing me like say faggot and like talking about like scat like last (laughs) week so it's like I'm really thankful that the the medium allows for that and now people are kind of like pushing it to its extremes which I, Mm -hmm. I think is productive for everyone
1: yeah no I think it's great and I think that's definitely one of the things about podcasting that's um really yeah I don't know it's it's made it kind of less intimidating to be like creative in other ways too I feel like just, like, knowing that people are listening to your podcast, so it's, like, you're kind of uh, knowing that there will be people who will, like, look at your art or, like, read your writing or, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, um, you know, honestly, the whole circuit is, like, a pretty small, like, group on Twitter, but it's, mm-hmm. like, I find it's mostly all of these people who just, like, really want to express and, like, say something about the condition of the universe we're in and
1: mm-hmm.
0: i love that podcasting has like sort of acted as like this springboard for you know people to start submitting like fiction and like start zines and like mm-hmm. it, it feels like the the successful recreation of like the kind of like diy art movement in the 90s which is you know kind of cliche and embarrassing <laughs> like a little cringe <laughs> but i think like a little bit of cringe and vulnerability is uh, never hurt anybody
1: yeah, no, totally. I, I, I honestly love... Um, yeah, I, I love people who are just, like, kind of, like, balls to the wall, like, uh, those types of creative people who aren't, like, super self-aware. I don't know. I feel like self-awareness, like... No, is no yeah. Just death.
0: Because everyone wants to have, like, the NPR sort of character up, like, the really defined sort of this is the kind of person I am and this is Mm -hmm. the kind of like show I do but you know like with Pure Oblivion and hopefully with with my show too it's just like people like learning something about others from talking about whatever it is they want without having to erect these bizarre like identity tropes about themselves Mm -hmm. well I guess we should start talking about body horror yeah so I guess my experience with it is that it was the only kind of horror. It was like the last vestige of stuff that was actually capable of scaring me when mm-hmm. I started like watching Cronenberg in high school, mm-hmm. and like since then, like it really is the only sort of like filmic or like artistic medium of uh, horror that actually like gets to me at all. What's like your experience with it?
1: Yeah, um, I think because I well I remember God, I don't know. It's, it's hard, because I've been a horror buff since I was, like, a, a like, middle schooler. So I was, like, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I would say probably, like, Freddy Krueger, maybe. Um, I love that. Yeah, I always kind of had an affinity for, like, the, like, patchwork or, like, just, like, burnt to a crisp, like, uh, serial killer, monster, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, So that's definitely, I think, the most influential thing in my life is just, like, being exposed to, like, Hellraiser and A Nightmare on Elm Street when I was, like, a really young tween. Um, But then I also, I think, like, the next thing, though, was, like, um, being on Tumblr, I think in, like, 2013, 2014, Mm-hmm. That was when I had first heard of like Uzumaki. And like the, there's like that famous drawing that's like the, like someone licking an eyeball that's like the coming girl off with her,
0: it. yeah, the eyeball sinking into the head. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, like the thing that everyone likes to wear on like uh, Vaporwave t shirts now. Um, yes. It's, it's
0: like such a popular image. Oh my God. Everyone yeah. loves like the. <laughs> the crew neck, like, long (laughs) sleeve shirt with the the
1: Uzumaki character on it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, and then there's, like, yeah, and then there's, yeah, there's, like, the other one, though, it's, like, they're, like, licking the eyeball, it's, like, coming out of someone's face, and it's, like, all bloody or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, they'll, like, wear, like, these, um, it's, like, a Supreme collab or something, and then they'll, like, not even bother to like crop the square like I don't know, they won't make the square bottom of the image like disappear somehow. <laughs> that kind of that, that bothers me a lot about t shirts. Um when people try to put an image on them and it just looks like a square, like they just pasted the square onto the shirt. No, I do I know to say exactly
0: that. what you mean. No, I hate it too. There's <laughs> because um this actually kind of relates to like how I, I feel about horror generally. Which is that I also was really into it when I was, uh, like, 12. And now everybody mm-hmm. kind of, like, fashions himself as, like, someone who likes horror. Because everyone goes and, like, watches, uh, like, It Follows, like, in the lighthouse and theaters. And, like, mm-hmm. that's, like, their their yearly dose. But, like, I grew up with, like, a really big and bizarre private affinity for, like, Argento. And for mostly him, honestly. Like, that mm-hmm. was where my interest in horror began. But it's, like... It's very easy to kind of just, like, take, like, the single image of, like, Hellraiser or something and, like, put on a t-shirt and be like, I'm a horror geek. Like, I'm a nerd. Yeah. But there's actually, like, such a, like, deep emotional experience in, like, specifically, like, 80s and, like, 90s horror that I think gets totally, like, blasted away.
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. It's, like, a very... um I don't know. I, cause I, I also feel like people see like 80s horror or like, um, like even like the original Suspiria or whatever. It's like, oh, it's like just campy and like funny and like, and like sometimes it is like cause like horror is like very closely related to humor. Um, but, um, I don't know. Like every time I watch like, I don't know. Every time I've watched like Hellraiser or like A Nightmare on Elm Street, which are like I've, I'm probably gonna I don't know how that was like the third time I said it. <laughs> um, no,
0: I don't care. I love but, it. I, I I love both of those series. Yeah, they're, so they're just my. I'm happy to ramble about them.
1: Yeah, they're just they're they're my favorite. They're amazing. Um, but it's like it's this very like visceral and like very uh, like I don't know how to describe it. It's like a very like impactful experience every time like emotionally and like not even in Mm -hmm. like a i got scared kind of way just like i don't know i don't know how to find the words for it no i know
0: exactly what you're talking about it's like the the cheese factor that people immediately assign to every horror movie that's ever existed like pre-2000 where they only will willingly interact with like the big horror characters it's like mm-hmm. oh like freddy and jason are so cool and it's like they they look at the movies as like these pieces of uh, like garbage it's like they're they're merely like pit stops on the way that mm-hmm. actually like the movies are only pit stops to the um access to the character basically mm-hmm. and i've always found like The idea of, like, so bad, it's good Or, like, that kind of, like, viewing experience To Mm -hmm. be such a bore Because I just think everything is good Yeah (laughs) I don't know
1: Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing That's the thing, too I think it's kind of, like, people approach these things As if, like, they were made as, like, a joke Or, like, that they should have been made as a joke Or, like, it's just this really weird, like, detached Kind of thing that people like to do Like, they don't like to take it as the creator of the work intended it to be and that just sounds so boring to me i don't know um well it's very
0: vicious i think honestly to watch a movie that was like made in earnest and like even for its like malfunctioning parts or its failures or like the mm -hmm. unintentional comedy of it it's like just like kind of choosing to watch it as like a like let's just ridicule this is, like, it's kind of cruel.
1: I agree. Totally.
0: Yeah, can you imagine, like, watching, like, some of the, like, later, like, Nightmare on Elm Street set, like, you know, th- the quality goes down or whatever. And just, like, looking at it as, like, a laughingstock when it's, like, these uh really sincere emotions that are, yeah. like, just, like, warped by the medium. Like, I think it's, like, good to be, like, open and vulnerable to, like, movies that are, like, kind of malfunctioning and taking them seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. No, totally. I mean, that's also like the kind of thing. Um, I, the this is probably like a little like unknown fact about me, but it's like I I unironically love the room. Um,
0: that's beautiful. I
1: I really do, and like I I don't think people under like like, because everyone goes to the room screenings is like haha, it's funny because it's like so bad, but like I think it's just like pure unhinged genius like there is nobody with that perspective in the world nobody and like that's amazing
0: absolutely yeah it is amazing it's like the trappings of like film and like you know specific, like conventions to movie making are totally absent in the room so it's just like Tommy Wiseau like putting his heart out there mm-hmm. I, it, it is really beautiful
1: yeah it's like such like a like yeah, I, I um yeah, I just adore that movie. Just like everything about it is just so um like unusual and just like it's it's fascinating. Like I can only like like every time I watch it, I'm like I wonder like how his brain works. Like that's how I think about it when I watch the room. And I feel like it makes me sad. Like this is a man who like poured his like probably entire emotional life into this, um, into this movie, and it's like he's had some kind of like success, you know, but it's like, at, it's like, um, calling it like a like intentional comedy instead of like the original kind of dark tragedy vampire romance he was going for.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's so, all the non sequiturs and, like, the broken pieces of the movie, it's, like, I guess, like, you can, like, laugh at it if you choose. And, like, yeah, like, sure, like, I get that it's, like, funny to see, like, movies not behaving how you want them to. But I always find the experience of The Room to be, like, really melancholic.
1: Totally. It's, like, the more the more you watch it, I, I don't know, I, I sense, like, very real pain and, like, heartbreak just in like how it was written and like the angle that it takes like the uh like even just like the the suicide at the end um it's very dark and like sad and like dramatic and like it's funny in some ways sure but it's definitely But like the, the from funny is place. like just like
0: the immediate reaction you know it's just like yeah. the, the first like gut thing it's like I think that you know something good about women and gay people is that we can see past the the laugh and like see the mm-hmm. you know the mangled core of it.
1: Yeah. no, I totally agree with that. Um, I yeah, because I feel like I feel like it's a very like just like average dude thing to be like, haha, these movies are so bad, they're good or something like they're all really into ironically enjoying media.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the, you know, I love Joe Bob Briggs, and I -hmm. watch, like, Last Drive-In, like, basically every week with some of my friends here. Um, And I think that he also has, like, a um, really unadulterated love and, like, serious sort of approach to these movies. But, like, Mm -hmm. the presentation of trash cinema, as he calls it, just kind of leads, like, these unwashed masses of like skinny men with glasses (laughs) who are like wear like black nail polish sometimes it's like Mm -hmm. they just like get to like go to the theater and be like vicious little bitches to these extremely like emotional pieces of art Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and it's like the um yeah it's it's so funny because I've I've been to room screenings like so many times in my life Um, and I've, like, actually, like, met Tommy Wiseau twice, which is, which was amazing. Um. I have a friend who slept with him, actually. No fucking way. Let me say (laughs) allegedly,
0: because I don't want to get sued or anything, but, yeah, one of my friends is, like, um, a room groupie, and, like, she, uh, followed him around to screenings and like, uh. First slept with someone who was in The Neighbors, like the the TV sitcom thing he tried to do after, and oh, eventually yeah. she worked her way up to Big Tommy.
1: <laughs> Big Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that's amazing.
0: Sorry to cut you off. What was no, your experience I, like meeting him?
1: Yeah. Um. Well, he the first time I met him, he wanted he told my uh, then boyfriend at the time that he wanted to strangle him. Um, wow, that is breathtaking. Yeah, yeah truly, I- I'll never forget it. Um, and then the second time, the second time I met him, he was like very nice, and he like um, he signed my poster with "Love is Blind, Love Tommy." Gorgeous. And yeah, I treasure it to this day. Um, but it kind of breaks my heart with like the Q and A questions because like they're always like a QA session if like he's there and um I feel like people don't actually take it seriously and then they wonder no. then they wonder why he gives like the same answer each time or whatever. And it's like he's probably like tired of that question and like wants to like actually be taken seriously to some degree as like just like a person. <laughs> you know <laughs> um
0: it's because they're like deliberately electing to turn him into a joke instead of trying to like surpass their own emotional reaction to like see the emotionality of the room like yeah. it's so much easier just to to give up and laugh and like you know to kind of take it back to body horror that was kind of my experience with like um the second friday uh, and sorry, no, the second Nightmare on Elm Street movie,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is kind of, like, known as, like, oh, it's a camp classic because it's, like, kind of gay. And, <sighs> like, even, like, gay guys that kind of watch the movie as, like, a, a homoerotic joke. But, like, mm-hmm. I find all of the horror in that movie specifically to be really, like, melancholic and guttural and, like, I walked out of it like feeling like I was in that, like, a dizzy sort of daze after
1: mm-hmm. yeah I I love the second Nightmare on Elm Street so I'm so glad you brought it up um, I used to have like the I think it's like um, I think it's before they made I don't know how many movies there are actually but I, I had like an 8 disc set and I remember like staying up late like when I was like 12 watching that DVD like that set of DVDs until like six in the morning mm-hmm. um but the second one is so great um and everyone says it's the worst one which i think is bullshit um i love the scene absolutely bullshit yeah like the i believe it's like the scene with like the waterbed.
0: yeah i love, I love that it. scene
1: yeah this the like yeah, like all the settings that they choose for like the horror to happen are amazing. I love like the uh the steamy locker room.
0: Oh with, yes, the steamy yeah. BDSM locker room. Yeah, where
1: he's just like spanking the jocks with the towel. I love it.
0: Um yeah, and I love like the like the pool party as well because mm-hmm. it's like uh it's this like really innocent sort of like high school Reality that just becomes, like, really uncomfortable and, like, not in a a typically horror way. It's just, like, this extremely, like, foreign and alien experience. It's, like, something you've always, like, known becoming, like, unreal and perverted in front of you, which is, like, Mm -hmm. the experience of, like, coming out and, like, turning your sexuality into a gay machine. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. No, totally. I mean, like, that's also, I think, like, um yeah like like body horror in general is like taking the kind of like the normal and like perverting it in some way or like inverting it and like um I don't know I just love that I love that that's like something that like Cronenberg does really well too like Crash is amazing for that reason um I love that the eroticism in that movie is, um, it's like literally auto-erotic as in like cars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I mean, I love stuff like that. I love that like it's the fetishism and the eroticism is all in the like mechanic, like twisted metal type stuff. And then the actual sex scenes are like the act, like the most, gray unsexy things in the movie yeah it's like
0: everyone, everyone calls Crash like really unsexy and it's like I always find like the like the sort of like as you said like auto erotic like ankle to actually be like really hot and like that's yeah. like something I love about Cronenberg's body horror is that like um, it's very emotional when he does it so like even like in Videodrome it's like when like the VHS tapes that start coming out of people it's like um, Mm -hmm. this sort of like release and like this sort of pleasure that like feels really like scuzzy and like something you're not supposed to be doing which is Mm -hmm. like I think everyone's kind of like first experience with the erotic is like as like this um, alien creepy pleasure that is like completely overwhelming and and Mm -hmm. bizarre to experience
1: totally Yeah, I mean it's like a, it's kind of like an invasion. Of some kind, and, um, yeah, I love like. Yeah, I don't know how to. I feel like I have so many thoughts right now, but like, um, yeah, Cronenberg, especially like with. uh, Um, Dead Ringers is one of my favorites, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't explicitly show any body horror but you get the sense of like how horrific um what is the name of the other sibling it's not ellie oh god i cannot remember i can't remember names to save my um, life. <laughs> i can't remember they're played by the same guy it doesn't matter like anyway um <laughs> but you can you can see in that movie just how horrific these women's vaginas are must have looked for, like, these things to be constructed. <laughs> and, like, I think what that movie does really well is that, like, it forces you to imagine the most monstrous vagina possible. Like, it doesn't show you anything. <laughs> so you're just, like, it, it forces you to come up with, like, what those th- tools would be used for in your own mind. And that's very disturbing. And I I just love that about that movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I really think that... Cronenberg is like such a he is so good at like body horror because of exactly that thing is like he he really like knows what he's showing you and there's always like a a universe that's like just out of sight in his movies of like something way worse that's going on
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that's the kind of how I think body horror is so unsettling to me is because it does have like this cosmic you know i don't want to say like lovecraftian because i've never read a single thing he's ever Mm -hmm. written and i like know nothing (laughs) about him but Mm -hmm. i know like the sort of like existential like horror aesthetic thing that people always um cite him with but like watching like the human body start like changing and experiencing like pleasure in these really bizarre new ways is like so much more like like existential and cosmic to me than like something that's uh more specifically that, if that makes any sense.
1: No, for sure. Definitely. Um, I will say that, I would say that Lovecraftian is certainly, um, it's, it's definitely a great adjective. I feel like um, Lovecraft was also, um, like, deeply kind of, um, I don't know. I think of Lovecraft as, like, being, like, kind of deeply obsessed with like god like i guess like the like how extreme the unknown can be Mm -hmm. and um god i haven't read lovecraft in years but he is great um i can also see how it's actually a big influence on what we're talking about today too
0: yeah i'm thinking about that too um it's like yeah, I, I. It also takes me back to Hellraiser as well, which mm-hmm. is like all of these like human bodies like being turned into these like forms that like have like this limitless sort of extreme overwhelming emotion in them, and it's mm-hmm. like the the transformation and like the experience of being like physical in that way is like that's the the horror of it is mm-hmm. like this unknowable thing, and it's like. I find that all of this art we're talking about, like all of it is successful because like the, the people behind it were like perverts who were like obsessed with like trying to name this like taboo thing that you should not name. And like the mission to figure it out is like what has created all of this like truly terrifying and like sublime art.
1: Mm Mhm. Totally. And, like, a lot of it is also just, like, really sexy, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is sexy. Um, and, like,
0: no one wants to say that because you seem like a freak if you say that Hellraiser is hot. But, like, it's so hot.
1: Oh, my God. The, like, I forget her name. The, like, female Cenobite in the... um oh, yeah. I, th- I forget. I think it's, like, the fourth one. Um, So hot. I mean, Kirsty Cotton is the hottest protagonist to me in any horror film
0: oh my god yes
1: um i just love that she's like always like uh she's like drenched in sweat like um and just has this like i don't know like frazzled kind of like i don't know it's like she's like emerged from like a swamp like that kind of thing but like it's really hot yes yeah i
0: love it (laughs) and i really like um in the third hellraiser movie like the um really like hedonistic bodybuilder who gets like transformed into a wall and it's like i <laughs> yes no one is like going to like say that it's like hot to like watch like these people like getting thrust into the overwhelming like sex pit but it's like mm-hmm. body horror is like one of the few ways that like that kind of like deep perversion has infiltrated like filmmaking, I think.
1: Oh totally. And I it's it's genius every single time. Like I feel like you, you have to be like so uh, creative and people definitely come up with some creative ways for sure. Um, yeah, I love the
0: idea of someone just like sitting and like inventing like the Cenobites and like the third one, like the C D. Mm-hmm like, the CD Cenobite that has, like, them in his head and, like, shoots CDs out to, like, behead people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so sick.
0: Yeah, it's disgusting. It's, like, ew, like, now when you... Been... <laughs> and that's something people will laugh at, too. Like, that's so ridiculous. So I'm, like, well, it's so ridiculous. It's, like, creepy and gross, like, for yeah. being so absurd and, like, perverting, like, a regular thing like a
1: CD. Totally. I, like, like, that's the thing. Like, it. it every, every time I see, like, a new body horror thing, or I, like, re-watch something, um, I mean, even, like, Final Destination is kind of like that for me, there's a lot of good, like, body horror Mm -hmm. in those ones, um, it's, like, it it forces you to, like, put yourself in a situation where, like, you're imagining if you saw it, like, right before you, and that's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one that's 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 the one that I'm the one that's 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 the one that the thing about the plot for me too is like i honestly would not be able to recite like a it's not possible yeah like like (laughs) i i love these two works of art in particular just because they are so confusing in like the best way possible
0: yeah no they're they're extremely like vague there's there's plot but it's like Well, I guess I'll just introduce them since we're already off to such a great start here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're talking about uh, Tomie and Uzumaki by Ito Junji, who is a horror manga author or mangaka, as we say in Nihongo. And um, he's pretty popular in the West because of kind of that Tumblr thing you mentioned where everybody was really hot and bothered about like that image of Uzumaki of the girl whose eye is sinking into her spiral head mm-hmm. or like all of the Tumblr girls in like, 2015 being like I'm literally Tomie
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so he's had like a pretty visible presence in the West but like back here in Japan he's kind of just like a like not acknowledged sort of like figure like only recently have people even like started to like seriously reappraise his work here because um, mm. honestly because he was so popular in the West so I feel like a lot of uh, Japanese people read Ito because they're like oh look at this thing from Japan that is so popular in America basically and like now they've been selling like these beautiful like hardback like oversized copies of Uzumaki and I I uh, love him dearly because in junior high school they had uh Gyo and Uzumaki in the teen manga section at my local library in the middle of Oregon and I was too afraid to check them out when I was in sixth grade so I would like go and like read them and like one sitting over and over again in the teen lounge of the library
1: amazing I love that
0: (laughs) what was your experience getting into him
1: yeah um yeah it's For me, Ito's work is, like, um, I always remember, like, my days being, like, one of those, like, uh, I was, like, a Crystal Castles blogger on Tumblr.
0: Oh, my God. Um,
1: Yeah, so I was always retweeting. No, not retweeting, reblogging, uh, like, photos of Alice Glass all day. And then, like, um, and then, yeah, like, that, that infamous drawing now of, like, the girl with her eyeball just, like, spiraling back into her head um, popped up on my feed and then that was kind of when I learned what, like, um, eroguro was. Yeah. And so then I remember there being, like, this huge thing where people were, like, drawing their, like, favorite anime characters in, like, chibi form getting dismembered or something (laughs) um so yeah I mean that's kind of my first experience with uh these works um yeah
0: and I'm really happy to kind of like take them back today and give them the uh give them the critical appraisal they deserve because it's like the immediate visual appeal because he is an amazing artist like he's such a great illustrator with these extremely memorable and impactful images like Mm -hmm. immediately that like people kind of like see like the greatest hits and then they read the manga and complain about like the the plotlessness and the meandering and like the bizarre like fixations of the horror Mm -hmm. um and I want to like rip it away from the people who like do the girl with her head spiraling in like makeup look and like then they get an Uzumaki tattoo (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah I that's definitely something that's like upset me um You know, when I, because when I finished it, I finished it yesterday and I was just, like, absolutely crushed by it. Um, But I was, like, just, I always like to look and see what people on Reddit say about things sometimes. And in, in the subreddit for Ito, there was, like, there was, like, a multitude of threads that were just, like, the, the ending is so disappointing like why don't we get to know like what it is or like what's going on or whatever and like not understanding that this is also this is also like a hallmark of japanese horror in general which is just pure utter fatalism um yeah and i think the people who don't understand that often get disappointed when like there isn't a clear winner in the situation or like the the thing that's um that is the terror throughout the story isn't thoroughly explained
0: yeah and they always complain about how the characters like aren't like distinct enough and they're like kind of boring and honestly one of my favorite things about um all of his work is that it's like these like extremely like Familiar people who like have mm-hmm. Little characterization and just like Represent like any like truly Like in every man or every woman and mm-hmm. Like seeing their kind of like Blank responses to the Extreme stuff happening around Them is so unsettling
1: Hmm. Yeah Yeah and like Yeah I mean like That's the thing like I feel like um, you know it's And like while I love like western Horror as well it's like It's something that's just a very stark contrast because like everyone kind of wants to have the hero that defeats the monster and like everything goes back to normal or, you know, just like, like something like that. Like it doesn't um, allow you to kind of sit with your unease about really how bad it is or how bad it is getting. Um, and that's something I love about, Japanese horror is that it's just relentless
0: yeah the fatalism is, is really beautiful to me that something is so bold as to not give you an answer and just say that this is the way things are and there's no way out of it like mm-hmm. you are fucked and like that is honestly the stuff that always terrified me the most when I was reading it mm-hmm. back in like junior high school like reading the last pages of Uzumaki and it's like you don't get a way out like there's nothing good coming of this and it's like Mm -hmm. something that is so you know bold like japanese horror to you know insult the reader and like not give them any sort of like closure and just saying like this is how the world operates is really a, a beautiful thing to me
1: yeah absolutely and i i also think too that does come from like a greater um I think connection to and, like, understanding of nature, um, which is that it's, like, indiscriminate, um, and so is death as well. Um, And I love that the main characters are not exempt from those things. Um, And... No, and, like, they're
0: often, like, just viciously punished without, like a moral reason it's like none of them are being like um none of them are suffering the consequences of like being a sexy horny teen or something it's like Mm -hmm. they're just regular high school students who have done nothing wrong and like they get the worst of it so often
1: yes no i totally agree like i i think like violence in like western horror like kind of has to be like justified somehow or like like Mm -hmm. it has to be like oh well like like you know like western horror has all of these like kind of tropes and rules and i mean like Japanese horror does too, but um, there's, there's like nothing like it where it's like, you could see yourself in the character and you don't really get a chance to like detach from them. And then something just like, inconceivably terrible happens to them. That's, that's more horrifying to me.
0: Absolutely. And this is a symptom of like, uh, contemporary horror filmmaking right now where it's like, this faux literary attempt to give every single character like just endless amounts of like reason and motivation as to like why they are suffering these things and it's like I think immediately to Ari Aster who I bring up like Mm. all the time even though I kind of like have a guilty love for like Midsummer it's like Mm -hmm. the the whole movie is just like trying to get you to understand like why these characters are suffering in the way they are. And like Mm -hmm. hereditary is even worse in that aspect because it's nothing but this psychological reasoning behind every single step. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it completely ignores like the power of just being subjected to senseless dread.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean like, that's the thing I feel like. Yeah. Like Ari Aster is definitely someone that I also thought of in this discussion. Um, and yeah i just totally agree with you i think it's it's so annoying and just like it's so lazy um honestly for it to be like oh well if they didn't do this then this wouldn't have happened to them or like whatever it's like that's not that shouldn't be the point of like i don't know any horror thing it's not to be like oh well, they i don't know people love to like dissect them and be like oh if you had done this if you had done this like you would have survived if you did this or whatever like it's always a thing that people on like reddit or like video essayists are talking Mm -hmm. about and it's so it's so boring
0: oh it's so boring and it's like it's i i call it like the american horror storyification of everything where it's like Mm -hmm. people just love to like they love like these bizarre dumb symbols in movies and like how does this link to this how does hereditary and midsummer take place in the same universe like it's all of these people just trying to senselessly like link stuff and like Mm -hmm. over analyzing like a certain image it's like all this unemotional sort of like bastardization of like the of like the sexual and emotional reaction you get like watching good horror
1: yeah and like it's it's so frustrating because it's just like it's, it's just a way to like detach yourself from any, from feeling any kind of like actual fear or like, um, I don't know. I, I was, Hereditary was like one of the most disappointing movies ever for me because I mm-hmm. remember when it came out that year, um, I had so many people coming up to me and telling me that I needed to watch it and that it was the scariest thing that they'd ever seen. And um, it took me like two years to watch it and i watched it and i was just so disappointed because it's just it's very like underwhelming and uses just like like i mean i like i like long shots but it's like it's it's a very normal uh supernatural film with like long shots and strings Mm -hmm. and they just put all this shit in there it's like oh, like, they need to do this big reveal on, like, what the demon was and, like, who those people were in the church that were smiling at them. And, like, it's, like, who cares? <laughs>
0: no, I so like- agree. Like, literally, who <laughs> fucking cares? <laughs> uh, well, we should talk a little bit about Tomie first, I I think. Because, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a really good sort of refute to all of the... Explaining in science's real approach to horror because, um, even like the format of it, it's a, a manga about a um, beautiful force like called Tomie who appears in these episodic chapters with no reasoning. She has these different forms, and like the only constant is that like she is a beautiful, dangerous, like supernatural force. And it's like mm-hmm. every chapter of the of the manga, which is like in, in two volumes has her appearing in completely unrelated scenes to what the last chapter was. Like each story has no like through line. It's like, she is just like this emblem of beauty. And it's like terrifying power that just like manifests all over the place with no reason. And I was just so infatuated rereading it with how it refuses to give you any sort of clarity about it.
1: Mm hmm. Totally. Yeah, my. I, I love when I read anything and I have no idea what's going on whatsoever. Yes. <laughs> I like that's That's like. That's great for somebody like me because I never know what's going on. But um, I. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, t- Tomie is just fucking incredible. Just absolutely obsessed. Um, I love that it's not really that she is, like, like, she's not, she doesn't, you know, like, she, it's, it's very easy for people, I think, to, like, read it and be like, oh, it's, like, easy, she's, she's just sexual temptation, and, like, she is, but, like, she is also, like, not sexy, necessarily, and she, she always is withholding. Um, she she's always withholding sex from her suitors. Um, and so it's like, it's not like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's like, um, what's so amazing about it is like, I can't even describe it. But... Um,
0: no, you're exactly right. It's like, there never once in the entire like series of, of stories here does like she ever like, fuck. Like, <laughs> it never yeah. happens. She is just like this... Beautiful, but like in in a a really like sort of um, detached way. It was like kind of my experience watching the neon demon where like we're Mm -hmm. told over and over again that um, Elle Fanning is the most beautiful thing in the world. And like my homosexuality like refuses to allow me to believe such a thing. And it's like Tomie is like also like not especially like the ideal girl at all. But like Mm -hmm. you see all these people like getting sucked into desire for her
1: totally. And um yeah, I I guess like my the first thing I really have to say about Tomie is that I just love um, how relentlessly Ito just like destroys her every time. Um, I'm obsessed with that. I there's 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 just no holding back with like dismemberment or like anything. I'm just like in awe of it Um.
0: me too it's like and that's such a a special effect of it too because it's like even though she's like kind of like this like deity of of beauty and like desire it's like if anyone else was kind of representing that they would never like brutalize that figure at all but like Mm -hmm. like you said like in several chapters like she is like a lumpy like face on a detached spine or she's like a pile of, like, flesh, or, um, in the first volume, she's, like, stuck in the floor as blood stains. Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: Yeah, I love, I think, one of my favorite ones, I think, I think my favorite one that I read, um, I loved the one where it was, like, the girl had, like, the box of hair. Oh,
0: yeah. And,
1: she like brought to school and her friend like basically took on Tomie's hair until like the, yeah, it's so good yeah, until <laughs> she just like explodes with hair at the end um but yeah, I mean I just yeah it's it's relentlessly violent um and it's it's weird, I feel like because I because you notice how Tommy's appearance too kind of shifts into being this more almost alien. Like I think like I'm thinking like Scarlett Johansson under the skin kind of vibes. Oh yeah. Um, cause, cause she looks very normal in like the first few chapters and then you see her slowly kind of start to lose her more human, normal kind of appearance, which I think is really cool.
0: I do too I, I'm obsessed with her as well because even though I was kind of like ridiculing like girls like I'm literally me it's like mm-hmm. I do feel like her when I'm in drag and like straight men at the bar like start hitting on me and mm-hmm. it's like they know what they know that I'm like the, the devil like they know I'm like Satan in my little heels and my corset and my makeup and it's like mm-hmm. but still like that intuit desire like comes out and it's like I, I do relate to
1: her yeah totally um yeah, I mean I can also kind of relate to that as like um a former stripper in a way, even though like I don't know if I derived much like enjoyment from it, but I definitely have like related to that position in a way. Um so she well, I I'm, like, I'm
0: an evil like evil faggot, so that's why I can enjoy it. But like I um love it. I feel like Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Ethel is like very aware that like it's actually painful for Tomie to be Tomie like it doesn't like totally. say that she gets like this uh enjoyment from it she is like in a state of like you said violence and emotional tragedy like at all points
1: yeah and and this is the other thing too it's like I because because I feel like it's very easy to like be like oh like she is like this and like I mean like sh- sure she is like an evil force but also um the I can only imagine, like, the experience of, like, uh, constantly being torn apart and, like, put back together in a way, or, like, the process of, like, regenerating, constantly regenerating oneself. Um, Mm -hmm. Each time less organic than the last. Um, There's also a lot of stuff in, like, the later ones where it's, like, I believe she is, like, uh, taking over, like, a mansion or something. And, like, she has, like, an old man hostage. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, really weird stuff where, like, she is also, like, um, I don't know. They set it up in, like, an interesting way where you kind of do feel bad for her sometimes. And, like, there is, like, a toll
0: yeah it's it's really it's really honest isn't it to mm-hmm. to be so bold to suggest like there's a toll because it's like I I anyone else who like does that kind of like look at like the beautiful idol figure is like just kind of uh relishing in it aren't they
1: yeah but
0: totally. her pain is so deep like the mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the the old people in the house who like take her in as their orphan and it really does even though she's like a cunt to like the maid and stuff it's like you still like feel that she like does want like that sort of like unsexed like love and when like the Mm -hmm. grandma like starts sucking on her arm trying to leech out the youth from her it's it's Mm -hmm. sad for her
1: totally and like it's she always ends up in situations where like there uh, people have like this also like curiosity about her like in like this very um like they want to like put her in a tank and like see what she'll do, that kind of thing. Um, you know, <laughs> like that, like 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 people have a very like detached non-human uh, fixation on her. Um, the The story with the old couple is also especially disturbing um, because like once you realize that the maid has been trying to poison her, as she has with all the other children that have died in the old couple's yeah. <laughs> hands. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, there's, like, some really, like, real and, like, dark stuff in there, for sure.
0: Yeah, I I love the way that, like, um, the, the story kind of, like, throughout sort of summons, like, these really, like, sad truths about, like, desire and, mm-hmm. like, youth and beauty. Um, and obviously, the the plot sort of, like, forces you to, like, think about that directly. But most of the time that it's uncomfortable is, like, in, like, this sort of, like, oblique and difficult to feel out. Like, one of the saddest ones to me is, like, I think in, like, the the very early chapters, like, the girl who uh, takes pictures of, like, boys and sells them to uh, to girls. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, that whole plot line is, like, presented very straight-faced. But it is really tragic to see, like, people who can't satisfy their desires like having to do that kind of thing
1: mm-hmm no definitely um yeah I'm trying to think about like it's like the early chapters where like like there are like multiple situations where uh, cause the whole thing is that she just like regenerates any part of her that isn't burnt mm-hmm. um is, like, they'll do things, like, I remember, like, the, uh, like, I think it's, like, the, I forget how many chapters, like, the first part is with, like, that girl in the hospital. Um, But, like, they take, like, the kidney transplant or whatever girl. Mm -hmm. um, Because Tomia starts to grow inside of her, so they have to, like, take it out, obviously. Uh, But then they just, (laughs) like, put her in, like, this weird tank, and, like, start doing experiments on her. And, I don't know. I was, like, thinking... I, I just, like, was imagining, like... Um, I don't know if, like, that's, like, a soul or an entity or, like... what Whatever she is, I can only imagine, like... I don't know. Just constantly being obliterated into nothing.
0: Yeah, and like, everyone being so sexually fixated on like that destruction like yeah there's also the chapters in the second volume where like artists keep trying to like capture her image and then mm-hmm. are like so obsessed with her that they start like like trying to chop her to pieces after they try to like sculpt or paint her and mm-hmm. it's like it really is like this final image of like the way humans sexually relate with each other because once they kind of create someone as like their desired fixated image it's like all they wanna do is destroy it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or like put it in a fucking tank. It's yeah. like you put it on OnlyFans or like you cut it up to pieces.
1: Yeah. No, totally. Um why what I love too is the uh the the part with the sculptor especially and then like there was like the jealous painter. Mm-hmm. Um I I love that the sculptor It did not, like, physically harm her, but he smashed every sculpture that he had made of her. Right. And, um... But even that inflicting horrible emotional pain onto her. And... Yeah. And every time, like, she seems to remember it somehow or remember that this is something that happens to her often because she always tells people that people are trying to like dismember her. Um, and I don't know. I thought it was like interesting that it was like the painter who ended up doing that to her. Um,
0: yeah, it's like this, um, like psychic knowledge. It's like whether or not she like takes it from her past, like iterations or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. like, she just innately understands like what it, it means to be beautiful. And like, she has, like, this really, like, cast-off, like, dejected sort of acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. And you never really see her, like, protesting. I mean, um, and like, the, the original, like, several chapter run in the first volume when she, like, mm-hmm. amasses her little army of teenage boys to do her bidding, that's, like, the only time in this series I can think where she's, like, really defending herself. And ev- everything else is just, like, this grim acceptance of what's going to happen to her.
1: Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um... Yeah, I... God, what was I going to say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Tomie is just... God, like, I feel like there is so much to say, but I, I hardly have words for it, because it's just so... Um, it's something that has to be experienced, I think. No, I, I agree. Um, but I totally agree, like, that she is often, like... It's, it's very much, like just like an acceptance of that and uh and um she also kind of weirdly relies on the on like the mutilation to survive
0: yeah i hadn't even thought of it that way but like she really does like need like the destruction in order to like happen again like she's like some sort of happening and like she she has to be you know, chopped to pieces or, like, thrown in the river or, like, whatever it is in order to, like, come back. It's, like, this this really bleak, endless cycle. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm kind of, like, refreshed by the fact that it's, like, such, like, a, a nebulous, like, gaseous, like, sort of reading experience that you can't mm-hmm. just, like, say what it is and, like, immediately, like, feel it. Like, you really do have to read both volumes, which you can, like, do in, like, an hour and just, like, feel the feel like that sort of like terror because Mm -hmm. unlike you know any of like these horror movies we've been talking about like hereditary or what have you like you can't just like sum up the plot and like get it it's like you have to like feel it which i think is so Mm -hmm. amazing
1: totally and it's yeah it's like very like visceral and like just like um i love like i love ito's work because it's just so relentless it doesn't give you a break um and No, there's
0: like no save room ever. Yeah. There's never a, a a moment to stop.
1: hmm Totally. And it's yeah, so it's just like you're constantly just getting hit over the head with these just dreadful, horrifying images, and then you think that he's like drawn the worst thing he could possibly draw. <laughs> and then you like turn the page and it's even worse and i just i i love that about him he's just always like pushing his own boundaries
0: yeah and it's amazing too because i mean like this series started like coming out in the i think like the 90s and like he has been able to continually like darken and make his imagery like even more like universal and and disgusting as time goes on mm-hmm. and I feel like this is especially true of Uzumaki, which um, starts out like with one of the most like disgusting things you'll ever see, and <laughs> only manages to get even more like horrifying on a human level. It's a manga about a village that um, slowly becomes like possessed and obsessed and controlled by. Uh, spirals. That's the entire plot, and how that, like, manifests just gets more abstract and evil and bizarre as it goes on.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uzumaki is just, um... Yeah, I mean... What can I even say about it? Like, where can I even start? Um, I... (laughs) <laughs> There's nowhere to yeah. start with it because it, it's, 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 it's literally it's a spiral. <laughs> it's literally, no, it's like literally a spiral in itself. That's yeah, it the is. Thing. It, you don't know. It where is to start. like,
0: it totally is. Yeah. Like I reading it is to kind of like start out, I guess like the emotional process of reading it is that it starts out like with a pretty generic setup of a girl and her boyfriend in this village And the terrifying things that start happening to them are, of course, like, really abstract and bizarre. But, like, the further down you go into it as, like, you approach, like, the end, like, it just turns into this even more, like, impossible-to-grasp experience until it, like, just literally repeats.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Um,
0: How did you feel reading it?
1: Oh, my God. It was just horrifying. Um... I, yeah, I mean, it's just, it just gets, like, worse and worse, but, like, in the best way possible. Um, I think, like, some of his best, like, body horror-specific moments are definitely in this one. Um, like, I, I'm i also just, I, I love, um, I love anything that depicts, like, obsession, and I just love that he's, like, um i don't know like you also get obsessed with the spirals when you're reading it which i think is great but also very scary
0: no it is and it's like i I think he is very aware of um like the grotesque appeal of like his terrifying like illustrations because like there is the urge and the desire like when you're seeing like these human bodies that have, like, put themselves in a kiln so that they can, like, stretch themselves into spiral or, like, the tongue or, like, all of these, like, really revolting and unfriendly things to look at. Like, you do want to keep staring. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can, like, really linger on these pages.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. He puts, like, so much detail into them, too. And, like, I... I, Another thought I had while I was reading, it was just that, like, he you know, is very dedicated to portraying these worlds in, like, like maybe not in the most, like, I don't know, because people always complain about, like, the, the plot not being, you know, complex or, like, detailed or, or whatever, but it's it's detailed in, like, the visuals. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's amazing that he, like, sat down and, like, dedicated so much time to, like, drawing, like, um... Spiral, placenta, mushroom fields inside of a hospital. <laughs> um, but yeah,
0: I think um, I, I think that like the descent, with of the plot is very challenging for Western readers to like move past because like the third volume has like some of the most like bizarre things that you would not like imagine to be like frightening or weird but Mm -hmm. like I'm thinking specifically as like the as the plot goes on like the whole town starts kind of like sinking into the spiral until like it turns into this like post World War II like rubble field and Mm -hmm. all of like the town residents who were normal to begin with are in this extremely creepy social state and the there's like several chapters in the third volume about children who realize that if they like blow hard enough or like wave their arms around they can create like little tornadoes mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like and for any person like reading it expecting you know some sort of like American horror sort of experience it's like reading that would throw someone off so much
1: Hmm. no definitely Um, I also think too what's really great about is that it does incorporate humor in, like, a really smart way. I feel like um, the understanding of, like, horror and comedy together, like, is really... um, I don't know. It's not something that, like, a lot of people talk about, but they're so related. Mm -hmm. um, Because I think they both have to do with, like, absurdity and, like, shock and... uh, And... um, I don't know, like. I love like fearfully laughing at things. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: the, the absurdity in this is, you're you're exactly on the nose with it. Like absurdity and like the humor of it. I I think about the like snail people.
1: Yes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, i i'm obsessed it comes like with in that. the second
0: volume oh, me too i'm obsessed with them like i the second volume is um has like the chapter when like the the gross like fat kid who's like, always <laughs> like sweating just like turns into a snail and yeah. then like his school bully does like the teacher does and um you kind of expect it to be like this Tomie thing where yeah. it's like it happens and then it's done but then like in the third volume, like more and more people start turning into like these like kind of like comical kind of snails.
1: Yeah. And then they like start like roasting them and eating them. Yes. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's
0: such a major plot point of the third, is that like people keep eating the snail people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um my favorite thing though about like the, the um school bully and like the this like weird, sweaty, slow kid thing is that they fuck
0: yeah because snails don't have gender like they don't have yeah. sex, so like they start reproducing and laying eggs together yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's the it's the it's the funniest thing, but it's also like so shocking and like disgusting and horrifying. um I think in the third volume, there's like um there's this guy who's like talking about eating like they're talking about eating like um it's like uh the main character's brother like gets turned into a snail or something and then um and then god like he's like this this random ass guy who's been eating these people snails um
0: and he like shoves his like head into the into the shell and like yeah. eating it like escargot.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like there's like this quote from him. I like wrote it down because it was so funny. It was just like like um, he said something about like fitting your whole body into those wet wonderful curves and like, <laughs> um, God, it's just so disgusting and like shocking and funny. It's amazing. I love
0: when the protagonist has to like spray the first snail boy with a hose.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's like shriveling up. Cause no one wants to give him water. Cause they all think he's gross.
0: And it's like not raining. so she yeah. has to like, spray him with a hose and like her and her friend like spray him and he like comes out to lick up the water and they like scream and run away.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Like, yeah. That's like one of the best parts of the whole thing all together, honestly.
0: I agree. And I remember reading it in junior high school and that was what made me the most uncomfortable was the snail people.
1: (laughs) The snail people.
0: (laughs) Oh, and it's so cruel that they they turn her brother into one of the snail people too. And they're like trying to... They had to, like, lug him around the forest, like, trying to, like, escape, like, the hungry, the, the snail consumer people. And, like, he's just, like, gradually turning to, a like, a snail and his eyes, like, start popping out. And they like, have to, like, push them back in.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. then they
0: put him on, like, the, at the at the edge of the cliff. He's, just, like, sliding in the wind. Like, be free, little snake.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Yes. Um, um,
0: I love the whole third volume, actually. I think I think it is my my favorite section. I love yeah. the mosquito people too, that and the the babies that like want to go back into the womb. Mm-hmm. Like that's all good. But I love when the town people start like hiding in like the like the little sh- I don't know what to call them like broken down houses on the end of town, which of course like start sinking into a spiral formation, and mm-hmm. everyone has to like crowd together to avoid the um, the children and their little arm tornadoes. <laughs> and so these people just start getting like wrapped up into each other until like they're all like this like snake's nest of like (laughs) of coiled people
1: yes oh my god i also just love like like there's some like one-liners in there that i just love like um every time the siren goes off and they're like i can't stand that sound it just pierces through my ears and they Um, say the
0: same thing every time yeah
1: it's every (laughs) single time at least once a volume um and so like there's just like funny little one-liners that like make it sound like like, it, it takes the edge off a little bit which is good because the rest of it is just so dark and unforgiving well, yeah, because
0: like the where this ends up is like, punishingly bleak, mm-hmm. and it's it's I think like a, a larger social statement about the coiling nature of humanity, which is going nowhere and is really like this absurd image of all of these people overcrowded and like um, like turned into like these like snake fucking pits, and it's like. <laughs> I You know, it's such a, a contemporary image of, like, too many people in too small spaces. No one can do anything. And, like, they have to mm-hmm. force out the dead, coiled people. And it takes them, like, days to unravel. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then they, like, thrust them out and be like, can you please take the corpse away? It stinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It is like I, this it
0: is really upsetting though because this yeah. it, it feels true.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I mean it it just feels yeah like god um the the final chapter is like so cuz um, cuz he definitely does instill some kind of hope that like oh like they're going to, you know, um, somehow get out of this because they've both been relatively immune. Mm-hmm. Um, to the curse of the spiral the whole time, um. So I think like, like that last chapter, he just like fucks everybody over, who's reading it, um. Which I love. Um, Me too. And so like, cause I I honestly like I feel like this one does like a really great job of like, I don't know, like you start to feel for the characters and then you start to be like okay I want you guys to leave and like I want you guys to like not have to deal with this I don't know um, right
0: because you spend so much time with them in yeah. comparison to the Tomia characters who are like butchered and forgotten about like three chapters later but it's mm-hmm. like you, you have these two like kind of like pretty boring like regular teenagers together and like you do want them out of it at the end like there's no like pleasure in their torment
1: Mm-hmm. totally
0: and where they end up, um, it's, like, in the, the vaguest way, they kind of reveal that, like, the town is just, like, this endless cycle. A, a, it's a literal spiral where the same thing just, like, keeps happening, and it's, like, all time at once and none at all, and mm-hmm. there's, like, the sentient spirals beneath the earth, and they just wrap together in, like, this fatalist embrace with each other.
1: Mm-hmm. oh Yeah, it's, like, it's, yeah, like, they basically end up where they started, to begin with, um, which is just the bleakest condition of, like, any setting. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it it's so, like, like it's very, um, I don't know, it's a rare thing to, like, have something that is, like, this kind of heartbreaking and devastating to read. Um
0: no, it it is it is devastating. I I kept like assigning like um it just it feels to me like in that the last volume when like society of the town is just completely overturned and it's like the people hiding in holes and jamming themselves into buildings trying to stay away from the tornadoes, like when they are there's just nothing left and Mm -hmm. it is truly apocalyptic on like this social level that just makes me feel uncomfortable because it's like you can see it in reality i feel like you can see Mm -hmm. the way that society just keeps like winding into nothing and it will just keep doing that as long as existence Mm -hmm. remains
1: and okay that kind of freaks me out because i thought of a quote just now that like yeah. is relevant which is that um I, I read this quote recently and it's it's along the lines of um that every everybody who comments on history believes that they're living in a time of collapse but that's true for pretty much like every generation yeah and so I don't know. It just freaks me out. It's just, like, okay, like, like, we thought we were all gonna die, like, a hundred years ago, and, like, we still do, you know? So, it's just, like, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm not doing a, a great job of explaining it right now, but, like, I am, like, endlessly fascinated with the concept of just that, like, um, I don't know. Like, the more that, like, it's so true that, like, the more things change they definitely stay the same too
0: right it's like that moment it's the the way that Ethel describes like time at the very end it's like everything at once and not at all in all ways and, always. and mm-hmm. there's never been not like an apocalyptic state of the human race I feel like it's like always mm-hmm. been like this sort of tenuous thing that can just you know vanish at any moment but every single realm of history is like Identically concerned with like the same concept like it's all coming to an end and mm-hmm. that is perhaps like the most frightening fact it's like not that yeah like everything can just stop but moreover that it's like the pre-natural human urges to like always be considering extinction
1: mm-hmm. totally and it i think it like highlights kind of our our relationship with mortality and um and death, I think, like, I think for, like, also, like, a lot of people in, like, from, like, the the Western world are very uncomfortable with these kinds of things, too, because they, they depict, like, death and nature as so indiscriminate and, like, careless. It hardly, like, has, like, a face to it. Um, you can't really personify it in the same way you would, like, a, a murderer from which you can, like, strategize and escape from. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's exactly it. Yeah. No, it's exactly it. I, I You're so right. It's, like, <laughs> it goes back to the same way that we were talking about horror, like, you know, where you are endlessly trying to scientifically, like, create reason for everything, but mm-hmm. the, the ultimate, like, face of This mortality is literally just a spiral; like it has a shape and it's just going downward in the Mm -hmm. the same way as it always has been.
1: Yeah, and like you can, and I I always feel like with these things. I mean, this is also tied to like um, I think where I'm at with like a lot of my my spiritual thoughts at the moment is like um, the more questions that you think you've maybe found somewhat of an answer for, I don't think that there really are any company answers but um you know you you think you've found the answer to a question but really it like props up like 10 more and it's this kind of infinite tree of like questions and like getting farther and farther away from like any sort of answer or reason for anything